Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. And I'm Haley Wooden. And BIV is once again looking to recognize BC's outstanding entrepreneurs, executives, managers, and professionals in public, private, and nonprofit sectors who are ahead of their time. Nominations for the 2018 40 Under 40 Awards close July 30th. So go ahead and visit BIV.com slash events for all those details. A range of innovative, disruptive technology has emerged to provide financial services and systems that conduct transactions and aim for greater efficiency. You can join us September 13th for BIV's FinTech panel, where we'll focus on some of these innovations. We'll also focus on helping small and medium-sized businesses make informed decisions in this new landscape. More information is available at BIV.com slash events. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Ken Peacock. He's an economist at the Business Council of British Columbia, all about how the province's economy performed this spring and where it's heading now. Is it the best of times or the worst of times for the BC economy? We're going to find out. The Business Council of BC's latest report covers the second quarter of 2018. And joining us on the show once again is Ken Peacock, Chief Economist and Vice President at BC. BC, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. Good to be here. It seems like a bit of a mixed reaction. It's maybe not the best of times, but at least at the national level, it seems like it's been pretty good times for most of the spring. It has. It has. Uh... Part of the thing that motivated that title was in the first quarter of this year, things really did look good. Uh, The global economic backdrop was strong. We had the strongest global growth since the uh, financial crisis. Um, Things were lining up nicely. Emerging economies were growing. Commodity prices were strong. And then we got into the second quarter. And while some (laughs) of that momentum continued, there was these little political fights and uh, tariff escalating tariff wars that popped up. And that really became a concern. And then on top of that, the NAFTA negotiations kind of came unraveled. That became more uncertain. And then tariffs were actually applied to steel and aluminum. So the sort of backdrop to our external environment changed quite dramatically in Q2. So Ken, are you suggesting that dampening the world order that we've had for many a year, it actually has a slowdown effect on the economy, at least for Canada? Yeah, it's, it's prob- it is problematic for Canada. Absolutely. Uh, we've, you know, over the last three or four decades have seen steady progress towards reducing trade barriers, reducing and lowering tariffs, and supply chains are highly integrated in North America, especially in the auto sector. So talks about tariffs and autos are especially worrisome for Canada, Ontario in particular. But applying to tar- applying tariffs to any Canadian products is going to make them less viable in the U.S. marketplace. So uh, it, there will be negative, negative implications, absolutely. We're now almost a year into the NAFTA renegotiation. We missed the bypass, the first political deadline, the Mexican presidential election. And by some counts, we may still be negotiating into 2020. Is it possible to sort of quantify the impact, just the uncertainty around the negotiations has had? It's it's very difficult to quantify uh, in, in, in any sort of magnitude or numbers, but there's not much doubt the uncertainty. How we characterize it is it it just makes it more problematic and more of a concern for companies looking to make substantial investments. And they probably will be asking themselves, why would I take on that risk, not knowing for certain that I'll have 
good unfettered access to the U.S. marketplace. For many years, that was Canada's card. Uh, we had very competitive tax rates, uh, guaranteed access to the U.S. marketplace, uh, skilled labor force, um, good transportation infrastructure and whatnot. So it was a reasonably good place to, to park capital and, and, and set up operations. Without that guaranteed access, it's a little, little more uncertain. And, and that's, uh, I think, will prompt companies to, th- to think about uh, where they p- deploy their capital. Well, okay. And you're the economist. I'm going to ask like a dumb question here. But if we have a lot of investors or, or people sitting on investments, uh, I mean, would that have an impact necessarily on inflation, which has been kind of problematic for, I guess, Bank of Canada to figure out what is going to be its core rate or, or getting to that core rate that it wants? Yeah, I would say not the investment numbers so much on the inflation, uh, the amount of stimulus out there is concerned and where we would probably be more concerned about if inflation bubbling up its head would be in the labor market in terms of wages. Uh, upward pressure on wages, of course, means higher costs, operating costs for businesses. They in turn have to pass those costs on and, and that, that tends to be inflationary. Um, there's also been some tax changes uh, in British Columbia and in Canada more generally that can can sort of uh, damp well that does dampen profitability profitability so that could put some upward pressure on in, inflation as well. Let's talk about labor because Canada's had a fairly tight labor market and BC has led the country in terms of our unemployment rate. It's very very low. How big of an issue is that for us here? The labor the labor market from many of your listeners might not have the same perspective, but for an economist, what's going on in the labor market is absolutely fascinating right now. Uh, we've had very strong job growth here in British Columbia, led the country, you're right, Haley, led the country, lowest unemployment rate in the country. And then about, um, you know, we had two, at least two, maybe three years of three, three and a half percent employment growth, which is, is very, very substantial. And, and uh, it's a good performance in the context of an advanced economy in this sort of post-crisis era. So BC was doing well. And then about mid-2017, employment growth just leveled off, just absolutely flatlined. <laughs> and that has continued into 2018. So we at the Business Council, we started puzzling over this and looking at it a little more closely. And we've concluded that most of that leveling off, some portion of it, probably a good portion of it, is due to the fact that there's not enough available workers in the province. The unemployment rate is so low and uh, companies are having such difficulty and challenges hiring people that they can't expand their operations. They're muddling through with the existing workforce and uh, the, the job numbers just aren't rising the way that we'd seen in previous years. Evidence of that is the fact that we've seen wages, uh, wage growth climb fairly sharply over the past six months. Typically, over the past couple decades, year-over-year wage growth has run around 2%, maybe 2.1%, right around what inflation was, just a little bit above inflation. But we've seen wage growth climb to 3 3.5%, 4%, and most recently, 6% year-over-year growth in wow. wages here in British Columbia. That's the strongest in the country. And uh, further confirming that, we have high job vacancy rate here. So these jobs aren't being filled, and it's actually dampening job growth here in BC. So with that in mind, we, of course, would probably want to bring in workers, either from other countries or from other provinces. Are we having maybe challenges with uh, interprovincial migration at this point, drawing people, other Canadians into British Columbia? Yeah, that's a, that's and that's another that's a very interesting interesting thing, another dynamic that's going on. So you're absolutely right. Usually, in these circumstances that I just described, when we have this strong job market, our unemployment rate here in BC is actually lower than Alberta's. 
when that's circumstance, when that's the circumstances out there, you typically see net interprovincial migration into British Columbia in in large numbers, three, four thousand a quarter, uh, more than ten thousand, maybe fifteen thousand a year. That was happening. We did have strong net interprovincial migration, and again, right around mid two thousand seventeen. That inflow slowed dramatically, fell to about 500 people on a net inflow basis. Very, very different picture than what we've seen historically. And it does uh, put a little bit of a question mark as to whether or not interprovincial migration, which traditionally has been a bit of a valve, uh, a pressure valve, release pressure valve when job markets were tight, whether we're going to see that. And when you ask why that might be, I think the only real answer could, well, a couple factors at play, but one of them is housing costs for sure. I think people are taking a look and going, wow, I can't, I can't make it work because of the high housing costs. And then the other factor that we've talked a little bit about at the business council is job markets are tight right across the country. So it may be the case that, you know, even though Alberta is kind of climbing out of a recession and the unemployment rates higher there, and it's a little bit higher in Ontario, people might go, Hey, you know what? Job markets are pretty good here. I don't actually have to get up and move like I did say in the early 1990s or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's on interprovincial trade. What about looking internationally? Is that an option for firms or are there some barriers? Absolutely. We we still have strong numbers from international sources and the federal government has uh, targeted will be increasing immigration in the future. They've increased their target numbers. And British Columbia does get a large uh, inflow of international migrants. So that is going to be absolutely essential for meeting labor market needs uh, in the future in the next few years here. You mentioned that 500 net uh, inflow that we had, which is a surprisingly low number, like when you say it out loud. And I'm wondering, is BC at risk of losing a lot of these workers uh, even more as the, as you mentioned, the Alberta economy is pulling itself as a recession, out of a recession, and there's a lot more opportunities there that people could just go right next door, probably get lower cost of living as well, and a lot of opportunities too. Sure, sure. It's a factor. Uh, The Alberta economy is pulling itself out. It's still going to be quite some time and it's not even clear whether it will ever return to the sort of 2012, 13, 14 kind of high oil price booming investment environment that existed. Uh, Things are getting better. Oil prices are higher, but they still have really high vacancy rates in terms of commercial properties and whatnot. But I think you're absolutely right for individuals and families. If you're trying to raise a family, if you can get a reasonably good paying job in Alberta, you're you're much better off financially than you are trying to find a house, buy a house and, and get a job in this region in particular. Well, on the topic of housing, it is real estate activities and everything sort of around that sector that's, what is it, a third of our growth over the last four years has been tied to that sector. Yeah, that's roughly what we estimate, yeah. Give or take. We're now starting to see a bit of a slowdown. So what are the broader economic implications? Yeah, this is something we're watching closely. And and the implications of the slowdown in real estate are real just because it has underpinned growth in the economy to such a significant extent in recent years. Uh, So start top line, uh, retail I'm sorry, um, resale activity, uh, MLS sales in in the residential housing sector, fairly significant slowdown, Mm -hmm. about 30, 35% decline in sales at this point. Uh, We just saw the Bank of Canada raise its interest rate. So there's a number of factors in play that are going to dampen sales activity here in British Columbia. Some people were saying perhaps we're already seeing the sort of bottom of the down cycle. I think there's additional down uh, downward movement in in the, in the home sale space a because interest rates are higher 
Uh, B, the measures that the provincial government introduced in the budget to dampen foreign demand. Uh, there's the so-called speculation tax and a number of other tax measures. That is having an effect. Foreign demand from foreign buyers is down substantially. Then the Chinese government is also clamping down on capital outflows. Uh, that's a that's a factor. And just the fact that housing prices are high. Uh, you've seen people rotate a- away from purchasing single-family homes more to uh, affordable apart- more affordable apartments and condominiums. So all these factors are adding up slower sales transactions that will dampen construction activity. But there's just so much money generated around the real estate sector. You've got uh, the the mortgage finance people, you've got the appraisers, you've got decorators, you've got retail sales linked to housing. So all those knockoff effects will also uh, mean slower activity for the, the BC economy. So we're watching it very closely. Uh, where it ends is difficult to say, but there's no doubt we are continuing to see the retail, or sorry, the, the, the residential housing sector slow. Can are we here in British Columbia too dependent on that particular sector? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. If you look at the past few years, we are. Uh, our concern at the Business Council is we're, we're in over investing in housing and under-investing in more productive assets. And that's machinery and equipment that help workers be more productive, allow companies to compete in international marketplaces. And if you look at the data, um, sort of the, the amount of residential investment relative to the size of the economy, overall GDP, that's up a couple percentage points higher than it typically is over its long-term average. And on the flip side, investment in machinery and equipment and um, non-residential structures is lower than we typically see. So there has been this shift to too much dependence housing. And that's something that applies in other markets in Canada as well. I think Ontario, the same same uh, story would apply. And I think that growth story we saw in part as a result of real estate, we knew it was unsustainable. We would have run into a major problem down the line if it kept growing at the rate it was. But now that it's starting to slow down, are there other sectors that could come close to matching that level of growth or could make up for it or sort of mitigate the impact? Yeah, about no, to feel? It's, that's a good question. The um, it's, it's very large. It, it's a big, it'll be a big hole to fill. But there are other sectors and other areas. And typically at this point in the economic cycle, uh, growth has been driven by housing and consumer spending in British Columbia to a large degree. And a big reason for that has been ultra low interest rates for a protracted period of time. I mean, eight, nine years, almost a decade, we've had these ultra low interest rates. That just fuels housing and that fuels uh, other consumption because people have leveraged themselves up, home equity lines of credit and so on. And so at this point in the cycle, typically what happens is we rotate away from that consumption-led growth to more investment and export-led growth. We have seen a little bit of a boost on exports, although that's flattened out a little bit. But we might not get that lift on the business investment side just because of the uncertainties. There's also some policy uncertainty here in British Columbia that uh, could dampen investment. So we hope that we're going to see that upswing in investment to fill that growth gap and uh, there'll be more construction activity and whatnot, but it's a somewhat uncertain. Now, if you want to talk a little bit about sectors that could fill that gap, that gap, it would be mostly in the export area. And ones that pop to mind right now are tourism because of our weak dollar and the tourism industry really is booming. Uh, that's an export sector. Even though the people come here, they're bringing money in from outside of the province. So we count it as an export sector. Film and television, uh, agriculture, and some of these other areas are continue to do well. But uh, I, I think 
the slowdown in real estate is one of the main reasons that we've got growth in BC going from 3.9% in 2017, which is a huge number, down to 2.3% in 2018. And the slowdown in real estate and some uh, retail spending is the main reason for that. So you've outlined why there are reasons that we're seeing this slowdown in real estate. And some people might say, well, great, maybe that's going to make the cost of living easier here in uh, British Columbia. But we also notice that prices are not going down. They're actually going up year over year. Uh, and I, I'm just wondering, what are kind of the disparate things that are going on here that uh, and a lot of people are kind of scratching their heads? Like if there's this great demand that's still pent up, you know, why are sales still kind of not doing so well? Yeah. So I think um, sales have slowed and, and prices have held up better than some people might have expected. I think if you look at sort of more recent numbers, though, you, you the growth in prices has steadily slowed and we're kind of at that tipping point where you are seeing some price cuts. And if you talk to realtors, they, they will speak of listing homes and then having to reduce prices. So we're a bit at that turning point where you are seeing some softening prices, particularly in single family homes. Maybe not so much in the condo and apartment market, but single family homes, we are seeing some price cuts and, and some reductions. And I think that's going to continue to unfold. If the Bank of Canada hikes again this year and a couple times next year, by the time we get to mid-2019, uh, we could be in a world where prices are, are somewhat lower than they are today. So if prices are somewhat lower, but it's a little bit diff- more difficult to hang on to the mortgage there. Is that still going to prove to be a challenge for British Columbians? Yeah, yeah. I, I, they afford, I think the affordability issue is here to stay. Uh, we have always been an, an expensive city. If you want to talk about Vancouver or the Lower Mainland, it's always been an expensive region. It got very, very expensive, way out of line with even normal uh, historical <laughs> high cost uh, yeah. levels. And um so I don't think it's going to fix it. Price reduction does help, but like you aptly pointed out, Tyler, when interest rates are going up at the same time, it doesn't really, it's not clear to what extent that's going to change the sort of affordability calculation. So you could see if we do, if the market does need to adjust down to a point where houses are more affordable, it may require further further price reductions to, to offset the uh, the higher interest rates. For anyone who didn't catch it, of course, best of times, worst of times, a nod to Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. I think the line after is the age of wisdom and the age of foolishness. And in the face of what some people may characterize as a lot of international foolishness, do you think here in BC we have wise policies? Are we doing what we can from a policy perspective to sort of mitigate against the forces that be? <laughs> really, the, the ever insightful question. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. So I'd start off with the tax cuts that were put through in the US have changed the landscape fairly substantially. It was the case that Canada and British Columbia enjoyed a significant tax, tax advantage, both on personal income taxes and corporate income taxes for many years. And that provided uh, some positive incentive for companies and individuals when they're looking looking at the landscape. That gap's been eliminated. So our advantage there, uh, it no longer exists. That's a concern. And then internally, uh, nationally, we've seen tax rates go up. Uh, and here in British Columbia, the corporate income tax has been hiked a couple times. The province just brought in an employer health tax. Uh, 
so the tax environment, perhaps less conducive uh, than it might be given these circumstances. And then the regulatory environment is extremely problematic. Uh, and there's a bit of a, a bit of a division here. And I like to be somewhat more nuanced about it. Because if you look at what's going on in, say, service-based sectors, technology sectors and whatnot, it's less of a concern. Environmental regulations and permitting processes aren't a concern, so they don't hit them. So companies like Amazon and Microsoft are investing here and tech sector is growing. Uh, but if you get outside of the lower mainland and start talking about what's happening in some of the regional economies and the permitting, the onerous permitting processes and the review of species or they're going to be introducing new species at risk legislation, layer on top of that the challenges with First Nations uh, communities and, and uh, claims and, and um, block, blocking up essentially a what could be effectively be blocking access to land. There really are some challenges in uh, what I would call traded export, uh, the traded export sector, much of which is land-based here in British Columbia. Uh, and that is a concern at the Business Council. I think, well, I, I'm wondering, in your opinion, is it uh, still too early to maybe give the provincial government uh, a sort of uh, report card at this point with regards to economic policies that uh, policymakers have introduced at this point? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to shy away from a grade. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but I will offer some comments. Uh, the, I mean, something had to be done in housing. There was not much doubt about that. There was a lot of foreign money coming in and the, the public was concerned about affordability and the kids not being able to live in the same region. So something had to be done. And they took fairly aggressive measures in that um, actually, I was thinking about this last night. The, the good thing about those measures is if they turn out to be too strong, they're taxes and they can be reduced, right? So they could be adjusted. And I'm not saying that's what the government plans to do, but there is some flexibility there and, and something did have to be done. Our concern of the Business Council is that there's this just too much too quick. This cumulative effect, this notion of cumulative effects, right? Like, okay, for example, you're bringing an employer's health tax. It's a fairly big hit that is going to be levied predominantly on large businesses and medium-sized businesses just because of how it's structured. Um, that on its own, that's probably manageable. But then higher corporate income taxes, uh, industrial property taxes are rising, uncertainty around trade, the regulatory environment that I was talking about. And then on top of that, the provincial government is reviewing uh, the legislation that governs, governs the whole employee-employer relationship. The Employment Standards Act is going to be under review. There will be changes coming in there. And the provincial labor code that... Uh, is the framework for labor relations uh, unions and, and, and companies negotiating is currently being reviewed and the report is expected at the end of August. There will be changes there. And all of those incrementally likely mean additional costs for businesses, additional complexities, additional complications. So when all this gets heaped up in a short period of time, that's when we get concerned. So there, there is a little bit of a question mark around it. Sorry, no grade though, but I do well, offer those comments. If we're in like a hippie school, you could give like a, a rain cloud or like a sun or, you know, something like that. That's what Haley, uh, she passed me a note and said that I suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ken, as always, pleasure having you on the show. Thanks well, for joining us. Thanks so much. That's Ken Peacock, Chief Economist and Vice President at the Business Council of British Columbia. And that's it for our show today. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe and find past episodes on iTunes, Stitchers and BIV.com where you can also find all our stories and the latest business news. 